Welcome to Literary Lark, the show where we talk about books, self-publishing, writing, and just about anything creative that I can think up. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to episode 14 of the podcast. I know it's been a while since I last uploaded an episode. (laughs) I think in the last episode I talked a lot about how Anchor on my phone would really allow me to have more podcasting freedom. And then I think a week after that, life just got super busy with um, all kinds of stuff. I can't even recall. It's been two months or three months since that initial episode. But one of the things that occurred that I wanted to discuss on this episode was BookBub. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with BookBub. This is a marketing strategy for independently published authors that is talked about a lot in self-published circles. It's kind of the crown jewel of, you know, advertising your book and getting the word out to potential readers. And um, it's, it's really awesome. I will say that right up front, but it's also very costly. Um, essentially what it boils down to, uh, for those who don't know, BookBub is a service that you can sign up for as a reader. You pick a genre that you like. So let's say you pick science fiction and you will get emails, um, based on your choice of, of genre and books that you like. And the email will have a recommendation or, um, just a notification that will tell you about a new sale on a book that BookBub thinks you will enjoy. And usually this will be a book that's been discounted down to 99 cents or free. And you know, it, uh, they have millions of people, readers on their email lists for each of these genres some more than others, fantasy and science fiction, romance, thrillers, those tend to be um, a lot more massive in their uh, reader quantities, but they'll send out, BookBub sends out these emails to all of these readers on the day that a book is going on sale and you get a massive jump in book sales. So it's a, it's a great way to discover a new audience or to, for a, an author to get discovered by a new audience, uh, to get the word out about your book. Gra- granted, you have to discount your book heavily. Uh, if you have a book that's $2.99 and it goes down to $0.99, cents, that's usually the minimum that um, BookBub will look at as far as a discount. But it's becoming increasingly harder for bookbub uh, for authors to get a bookbub because they're looking for high quality books you know they're looking really for two things they're looking for a high quality book so a great cover is a must if you have reviews that number in the 20 to between 20 to 30 20 to 50 that helps a lot it's not necessary but it does help and um, a great blurb on your Amazon page, 
um, if you have a, a book that's wide so that it's not just on Amazon, but also on Kobo, Barnes and Noble, um, and other markets, that helps too. BookBub has a wide demographic of readers, not just people that are on Amazon, that are Kindle Unlimited subscribers. Uh, it's not, you know, it won't disqualify you from getting a BookBub if you only have a book that's available on Kindle Unlimited, but it certainly helps your chances if it's wide um, because it, it just it helps BookBub to get more um, sales of your book, uh, which, you know, helps them in the long run for their, because I'm going to guess that they use affiliate links to get some cash back on you know, clicks to the different markets where the book would be available. But that's just, I don't know, I have no insider info on that. I'm just guessing that's what I would do <laughs> if I was advertising a book. I would try to get as much affiliate income off of that um, as I can. But they also get a lot of income from you, the author, for the book. So now that I've given you sort of the rundown of how BookBub works, here's my experience with BookBub. I applied for a BookBub. This was probably my seventh time applying for a BookBub. I've applied um, for uh, the first book in my series, The Blade Air, an epic fantasy book with Christian themes. So th that one has been rejected, I don't know, five, maybe six times. And um, it was $2.99. I, you know, you, when you apply, you give them your projected sale amount and so I said 99 cents I think I even did one for free to you know and the reason you'd want to do a free book bub is because if it's a first book in the series then you're gonna get just uh, more sales on books two and three and four and five and however many you have in your series so it's kind of a gateway drug if you will for the rest of your series um, so I figured, well, you know, if they're not going to accept the 99 cent um, applications I've sent in, I'll do a free, a free one, and that got rejected too. So then the other thing I heard a lot about was making a box set of a series and then discounting it down significantly. So uh, that's what I did back in May. At the end of May, I sent in. Um, the box set for my Azulia trilogy, which you know, it's three books, six ninety nine on Amazon, seven ninety nine on other retailers, and that was discounted down to ninety nine cents. Uh, I could have done two ninety nine, but I wanted to do kind of a drastic sale to really, essentially, get BookBub's attention and see if they would accept it. And I had heard from other authors that this was a strategy that was working where they would box up a series of books and then put it down to 99 cents and they would get their first book bub. And lo and behold, that is what happened with my box set. Uh, they accepted it and um, you have an option when you're applying for a book bub to choose a date that you want them, that you want the sale to happen on. So it's you know, BookBub is only going to send out an email for one specific day. 
So you can say which day you want, or you can just leave it up to them to choose. I recommend that you leave it up to them to choose because it's just one extra um, favor you're doing for them so that uh, they're not trying to, because I mean, they're getting multiple, who knows, I'm hundreds, maybe thousands of applications from authors for their books and um, they're lining these things up every day. So they probably would rather you be flexible with your date than they have to work around whatever date you have chosen. So I recommend leaving that open and, uh, and being flexible. So they chose a June, uh, June 6th was when my book bub went live. And basically how I plan this is it's kind of recommended that you, you leave it for the entire week. So uh, leaving that sale of 99 cents on my box set, I left it for, I actually left it for almost two weeks, to be honest, because I had some other, you know, Amazon ads and little other advertising things I was putting on there to see if I could get some really good momentum. Spoiler alert, I did not. It was not, besides BookBub, there wasn't really a ton of sales happening, um, from Amazon ads and there was a few it was decent it wasn't anything groundbreaking though so um, and it's just because you there's the you know megaton bomb that is bookbub just pales in comparison to anything that you're gonna do advertising unless you're really throwing a lot of advertising dollars and I wasn't I was doing you know maybe two to four bucks a day on an Amazon an AMS ad that wasn't really gonna do a whole lot but after paying the bookbub fee, which for my bookbub, it was, you know, in the fantasy genre, if you're doing something like romance, it's it's going to be significantly higher than this. But for me, it was $658, which is not a small amount of money, especially for an author like me who isn't well known. I'm not making, I wasn't making that much a month. On book sales so it was a big leap of faith um, but it, it paid off to be honest it, um, I was I was kind of worried I didn't know if it was gonna you know if I was gonna get that money back I, I was really my minimum goal for this book bub was to make back what I had invested in it um, and hope that I would also gain some readers and maybe some traffic on my website for those who you know maybe want to know more about me and and subscribe to my newsletter um i did exceed my minimum goal i actually almost made double um so it was about uh, what would that be i think that's a it was over a hundred percent roi return on investment and on on that day on june 6th when it when the book bug went live so that was really exciting i got on the amazon kindle store my book got uh number 89 on so it was in the top 100 on amazon um the box set which was i did not even think i would get anywhere near the top 100 much less in it so that was super exciting um i think that day uh, that I got on the on the top 100 was um, I can't even remember. It was well into 
the upper hundreds as far as book sales. It was crazy, um, but uh, definitely an awesome moment. The only painful part of it is just knowing that your book is up there, but it's at, up there at 99 cents. So I'm making 35 cents from three books that I wrote and labored, and you kind of have this feeling of, oh, I wish this was being sold at the full price because that would be awesome. Um, but it, it was still awesome despite that. And um, once I ended the uh, the sale, um, about eight or nine days later, I was still getting uh, you know a good steady stream of, of sales, and I still am now. And it's it's been two months now since that book bub. Um, obviously, it was not as I mean, the, the, the drop-off in sales was pretty significant after BookBub Day. Um, it, it went down a lot. Um, right now, you know, for a while I was selling about maybe 10, 15 books a day. Um, and of a, of a box set at six ninety nine, that's that's still pretty good. Um, or rather, I'm sorry, after the book bub, it was still 99 cents for the nine days. So it was 10 to 15 a day. And then when it went back up full price... Then it wasn't, I mean, then it dropped down to maybe five, two to five a day. Uh, but considering that that box set had been out a few months before the book bub, and I was making, I was selling it maybe once or twice a month, uh, it, was, it was still good results. So right now it's been selling, you know, uh, around two to five a day um, over the last two months. So BookBub does, you know, does boost you very well and on Amazon. And it wasn't just Amazon. I was, the book, the box set was wide. So I'm still getting sales on Kobo. I'm still getting sales on iBooks and um, Barnes and Noble. I, I got a lot of Barnes and Noble sales actually. And a few on Google Play as well. So um, I've been impressed with that, that there's been income coming in from those channels where typically I would get big fat zeros on most of my things. So everything that you hear authors talk about regarding BookBub is true as far as what it's going to do that, you know, it's effective for the money you pay, for um, the amount of promotion it does, it's very effective. And it has a tail end that's pretty long. I'm still, like I said, I'm still selling that box set consistently each day um, and making income off of it. Now, as far as readers, um, people subscribing and getting fans, that part of it, I have not seen. Um, and that might be because they just bought a box set. I mean, it's three books. Each book is about 100,000 words, you know, so it's over 300,000 words. And there's a bonus novella in that box set that uh, that I had on the BookBub. So it's not... The jury is still out on that. Uh, maybe once people have read the books, then they'll, you know, want to find out more about me, look at more of my stuff. It also doesn't help that the, the trilogy is... That's all I've got as far as the fantasy. And some authors recommend that you have, you know, another series already available if you're going to do a box set so that they can check that out. So maybe there would be more um, more of a return on investment there for me if I, if I had something else. Um, but 
I guess the way I've heard BookBub talked about that it's kind of a it's a big game changer, and in some ways it was, but in many other ways there's still not really. I mean, there isn't. It still feels very transactional. Um, it doesn't feel like you have readers that all of a sudden are going to discover you on BookBub, and then they're you know long loyal fans that are going to seek you out and subscribe to your newsletter. I mean, my my newsletter subscription has, I mean, I, maybe I've gained about 10 subscribers in the last two months, uh, which is paltry considering how many readers saw that ad and bought the book. It is in, th- in the thousands now. So, and, so I, I think it, um, BookBub is great as far as you getting sales, but as far as long-term reader engagement and acquisition, I don't think it's that effective. Um, I think that probably having a long, a, a bigger catalog of books, a back catalog for readers to check out, will bring you more success, actually. Um, but like I said, it's it's still worth doing. It's still very much um, worth the money I paid. I made made that back and some more and I'm still making um, sales from that book bub so you know it's I think it's better for you to save money on getting Facebook ads AMS ads other you know similar book bub light kind of advertising options and just saving up to do a book bub and it's hard to get one it's hard to uh, it seems that every day the probability of an author getting a book bub on a single book rather than a box set is is dwindling. So um, I would say that you know if you have a box set and you aren't really doing that great in sales and you'd like to you know get some some money for for the work that you've done, then book bub is a is a great option. Um, but it is an investment, and it is um, tough to get, but still highly recommended. Is it a magic bullet? No, by no means. It's um, it's a nice little spike, you know, in the portfolio, but it's not gonna be the end all, be all of reader uh, engagement and acquisition and visibility as an author. It just isn't. It's not. It's it's a it's just a marketing. It's another marketing strategy, but it's not going to propel you into the upper ranks. I mean, I went in the top 100, but the next day I was down into the thousands, you know. So, um, and that's kind of what I, you know, the next segment in the podcast, I'm going to kind of touch on some things I've been thinking about regarding self-publishing and and traditional publishing. Uh, so, we'll, uh, we'll go to that next. So in this segment, I wanted to kind of touch on traditional publishing and just what it can do for someone who's mostly been self-publishing for a while. Um, This is coming completely from, you know, third-hand experience, not first-hand experience on uh, traditional publishing. You know, when you start to 
dig into self-publishing, one of the things you're going to come across a lot is, I don't want to say necessarily hate for traditional publishing or trad pub, but maybe some shade uh, from the indie side. And, you know, some of that's warranted. I think that most authors who have queried agents and publishing houses can get a bit jaded about traditional publishing, especially if they've never landed a contract or gotten any kind of a book deal, and, you know, then they turn to self-publishing. And there's also just the model itself where it's kind of, you're kind of working through a middleman, you know, an agency um, to get your work published and that requires fees and your royalty is a lot less than if you went the traditional or the self-publishing route so there's there's cons for sure uh but i think probably one of the biggest pros of traditional publishing and again i'm not traditionally published so i'm only speaking from what i've read and heard from those who are is the benefit is that you you can have uh more of a an advantage with regard to readers um debut authors probably still struggle with this um where they have to market themselves and you know unless you have a book that an editor or an agent is super excited about and they're banking a lot of uh marketing dollars towards it that um a traditional published author will still have to do a lot of the legwork with regard to um, marketing to readers and, you know, on social media and on different channels and and such. But I think that the advantage is still there for a traditional published author because they can network with other authors that are part of that publishing house or who, you know, they may be uh, um, have had their work looked at by the same editor or agent, whatever it may be. There's still those connections in the industry that can help. And I'm sure that it's still not the most awesome thing, but self-publishing is not the most awesome thing. And, you know, now I'm going to kind of go into some of those things that are not awesome about self-publishing. And I think the biggest is just that you don't have an audience. You really have to work hard to get an audience. And even when you have newsletter subscribers, and I've got, you know, about at this of at this recording, as of this recording, I have about 23, 2400 um, subscribers. I've surveyed those subscribers, polled them, and the majority of them have not even read any of my books. So they're on my list, but they haven't read anything. That was a little surprising, um, but maybe not if I think about it. People have, readers have lots of books on their plate. And, um, you know, I think that when you look at the self-publishing world and how much, how much is published, there is a lot for readers to wade through. And there's a lot of discounted stuff. You know, when I think about BookBub and the results I got, it there's almost a mindset um, that readers are just amassing books on their Kindles, on their Nooks, on their 
iPads, whatever it is, because they're so cheap. So it's really kind of a reader's paradise where they can see a book they like, get drawn in by a cover or a blurb, and add it to their long list of books to read. And who knows if they'll ever get to it. They might, but I think that it takes a certain kind of X factor or you know, magic that really gets them to put your book to the top of the list. And whether that's because you send out really quirky newsletters or things that just differentiate you, whatever it may be, it's, there's always something that's gonna set you apart from that glut of books that is on their, on their um, devices. Now, with traditional publishing, I feel that, and this is from my own experience, I feel that when you buy a physical book, or even when you buy an ebook from, you know, let's say your uh, Penguin Press or uh, Harper Books, whatever it is, whatever publishing company, I know readers don't usually care about that stuff, but let's just, you know, humor me here. So, you know, when, when a reader gets one of these books, the first clue that it's not your regular traditionally published or self-published book is that it's going to be more money. It's not going to be $2.99. It's not going to be $0.99. Cents. At the least, at a discounted price, I've seen traditional ebooks go for probably, you know, 5 bucks, 6 bucks. Uh, sometimes there'll be some one-day flash sale where the book will be $0.99 cents or $2.99 or something. But it's not typical. And when someone spends more money on a book, one, they're expecting that book to be awesome. And two, it's probably going to go to the top of their reading list. Because you ascribe value, more value, to something that costs more money. So it would make sense to me as a reader that if I bought a 99 cent self-published book and then I turned around and bought a... $8.99 8.99 or 9.99 traditionally published ebook odds are I'm probably going to read the traditionally published one first because in my mind I want a return on my investment immediately like I don't want to wait for that return to come you know months later unless I just I'm a ebook collector and I buy any price books no price is too high it it just makes sense to me that I would spend the time reading the book that cost me more money. Um, And I think that that, based on economics and what research shows about how people spend money, that generally seems to be the case. When you spend more money on something, you're going to invest more of your time, your energy, in getting your return on investment, whether through being entertained or enjoying that particular item, rather than something that you got for free or that you only pay 99 cents for, you know, you're just not going to care as much because it it wasn't a sacrifice on your money or your, you know, and so therefore there's no reason to sacrifice your time because you can put time forth any time for a 99 cent book. That's my opinion. If you disagree, that's cool. But that's kind of where I'm coming from as far as the whole traditional published pricing versus ebook pricing goes. But anyway, before I digress even further, my thoughts are that I would like to, in an ideal world, 
I think it's best for self-published authors to still pursue traditional contracts, to still try to get, um, you know, published through a publisher, even if it's a small publisher, just something besides, you know, uploading their book to Amazon or Kobo or wherever. Because I think it's necessary for there to be kind of a quality control with your writing and I haven't really had much of that I mean I've hired copy editors to work on my books but the problem with that is you're paying somebody to edit your book and there's not really other than the money aspect there's not really a lot that they are they're not invested in your brand in your story they're just they're just getting a check really some might be there might be copy editors out there that are really passionate and really want to help authors i'm sure they're out there the ones i've worked with i didn't really get that from them so maybe i'm a little biased in that regard but i think that when you have a publisher who has decided to take a risk on a new author and they've sent that manuscript over to one of their editors who probably has a you know years of experience editing different books or maybe they've even edited some of the novels from well-known authors and you know they have they have a good handle on story structure and plot and you know really deep characters i feel that there's just going to be a lot more love that goes into editing that book than if you just hire, you know, a copy editor on Upwork or something, you know. I just think it's it's going to be the level of quality will probably be better. Um I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule. I'm sure there are bad traditional editors out in publishing houses that are pumping out. I mean, there's bad books all around, either on the self-publishing side or the traditional published side. But regardless, I feel that there's going to be more eyes on a book that's traditionally published before it's released than there are for a self-published book. I feel that, you know, unless you have a big audience and you've got beta readers and you've got, you know, multiple stages of editing and, and all that, it's you're just not going to get the level of... Um, I don't want to say quality because that's not the word I want to use, but it, there's not going to be the level of attention to your book um, as there is with a, a traditional publisher. For myself, I've never been able to afford all that attention um, aside from copy editing and investing a lot of my own time learning book cover art and, and getting pretty decent at it, I have to say. I mean, I'm not awesome, but I think my book covers are, are pretty good for someone that didn't know what the heck they were doing three years ago. Um, even having put all that time and investment and hiring copy editors, I, I'm still not at a level where I feel that the book could be, the books could be superior to anything on the traditional side. Um, but really the reason I'm even having this dialogue about this is, uh, that 
I guess this is more of a monologue, not a dialogue. So we'll go with monologue. The reason I'm even bringing all this up is that I feel that whether it's because I need to be validated or because I need to test my work in the hands of someone else rather than just my own self-critical hands, eyes, whatever, I think that it's it should be the goal of every author to to just try traditional publishing to just query their stories uh for myself i don't know if i'm at the point yet where i want to write a full length novel and send that off to publishing houses or to editors or sorry agents but i do want to put out some short stories because this year I've really been digging short stories, the, 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 the smaller format and the brevity of them is kind of challenging. It's a, it's a nice way to flex your writing muscles um, to try to develop a character or a plot in a very limited space is, uh, is fun. And I've... Growing up, I read a lot of different anthologies and short story collections, and I've I've always loved it. And so now I'm kind of going back to my roots in, in a way, and I'd like to send some of these stories to magazines, to um, genre magazines. You know, Clark's World comes to mind, and uh, I think it's the Journal of Science Fiction and Fantasy. I can't remember the names of some of these, but different traditionally published um, magazines and e-zines that I think would be just a good test to see if I could even do this, if my writing is up to snuff. Um, Because as much as I love self-publishing and having creative control, I think it's necessary to kind of be brought back down to earth and and see why these... uh, gatekeepers if you will are were in place to begin with you know what's their role are they really solely just keeping people out and being elitist or 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 is there more of a reason for that is there because is the reason just to find quality stories strong voices and i'm sure market dynamics will um justify what stories get published you know i'm sure there are fantasy authors out there who got rejected you know jk rowling comes to mind and others who it was basically because they didn't have a market to sell this kind of fiction to and self-publishing opens the gate there because there's a market that traditional published houses don't want to really tap into whereas self-publishing gives you that freedom and Again, I I don't want this to sound like I'm knocking self-publishing or giving up self-publishing or anything like that. I just think it it would be cool to be a hybrid author where you're straddling both sides, you know, the self-published side for the more quirky, off-the-cuff, doesn't-really-fit-in-a-box kind of uh, fantasy or science fiction, and then the traditional side where, you know, maybe there's a series that works really well with... Orbit or Harper Collins or whatever, 
that um that you could sell and then my goal would be just to gain more of an audience if my name is popping up on you know magazines that publish my short fiction or if I get a book deal I feel that that would help boost the audience because BookBub even though it did a lot to get me sales I still am not at a point where I've gotten people who really care about the work or care about the reading I feel that I'm just my books are just sitting on someone's Kindle and will not be read I sold it to them and they bought it but because it was 99 cents more than likely it's not at the top of their reading list and who knows when it will be so um I'm sure this comes off as I don't know maybe egotistical or something but I think that you know for the work that writers put in and authors put in and for the pittance they get paid for on the traditional side and the self-publishing side you know I don't think it's wrong to expect some kind of a a reader f- engagement or following of some kind not to just inflate our heads but you know to see that the work is appreciated on some level and when you can't really get a leg up on that with self-publishing the next best thing is probably going to be traditional publishing because like i said when people invest more money in a book or they are on a subscribe to Clark's World or some other, you know, um SFF magazine that's recognized then I feel that inherently you're going to reach more people, you're probably going to reach more passionate fans um than just bargain bin readers who are browsing Amazon. So, anyway, Hope that didn't sound too, I don't know, uh, disparaging or doomsday, whatever. I'm just trying to be a little realistic about self-publishing and and get off the rah-rah-rah kind of wagon that uh, self-publishing is always on. But anyway, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this or if you have, you know, disparaging remarks of your own to make about my diatribe about this whole thing then please you know email me uh check me out on my website danieladorno.com and there's a contact form there where you can uh, let me know your comments and i believe on anchor and itunes you can leave a review for the podcast i'd appreciate that that'd be sweet um but otherwise i will see you next time thanks Hey, thanks for listening to Literary Lark. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Anchor to do so. If you want to check out my website and all of my writing and things I'm up to, go to danieladorno.com. You can also find me on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again, and we'll talk later.